0: You've got mail. Hey again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of TechStream. This is episode 31 of this podcast. That means we've been doing this for more than half a year. Wow. I'm Seth Everett. He is Shelley Palmer. I feel like we're in week five.
1: <laughs> I don't feel like we've been doing it this long. It, uh, it, it just seems like it was only yesterday, Seth. It really does.
0: Wow. We started this over a half a year ago. Amazing. And life was that? so different. You know, there was a Delta variant and we didn't know what was going on in the world. Oh, wait, nothing's changed. <laughs> no, a lot
1: of things have changed. Know. You, know, you know, a lot of things have changed. Everyone is just so tired of the pandemic. Half the country doesn't think it exists. The other half still does. It's actually been pretty fascinating. The whole experience has been pretty fascinating the last six months. I really enjoyed doing this with you, episode thirty-one. Can't believe it! Lots of things in the media business are changing. Lots of things in the tech world are changing. Our friends at Facebook are under attack in ways they never have been.
0: Getting yeah, I was hoping they'd it. have their new name because oh, I heard the- they're trying to get the patent for TextStream. Did you know that? Yeah,
1: that's what I heard. They want. <laughs> yeah, they're looking for the they're looking for the copyright to TextStream. I don't know. You know, at the end of the day this is Digitation. they are by the time people are listening to this the the name may already be out so I don't want to like get a harp on it but I I gotta say (laughs) um whatever a metaverse is going to be (laughs) when it's really a metaverse like when it really gets there
0: yeah
1: um and that's funny by itself, just to say when metaverse is our reality. It's like what what? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the, the Flash's
0: metaverse is better than the Doctor Strange one. I'm just guessing.
1: No, but you know, interestingly, Seth, when you when I think about this, and I think about it a lot, I'm we already live in a fantasy world. Like the half the problem Facebook has, half the problem Instagram has, is that first of all, we the, Instagram has created a culture at least in America and probably around the world where if you don't have a picture of it, it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. You have a family event, you have a life event. If you don't have like a, a, in shot with an iPhone quality picture Mm -hmm. that you'd be proud to put in an Apple advertisement, then it didn't happen. And, and, and so because of that, it's already a metaverse, which is basically, you know, meta, meta anything is metadata data that describes other data meta. Anything is this descriptive world, not the world itself. So, Here, Instagram's already a metaverse and Facebook's already a metaverse. Now, the we know, so we don't use avatars, so we're not using augmented reality. That's not really what makes it a metaverse. What makes it a metaverse is the fact that whatever's there isn't real. Yeah, that's crazy what's going on. So, you know what? When I'm excited that they're going to rename the company, (laughs) not really, and I am gonna, you and I will go to town on this when the time comes, but right now. We're just right now, like everybody else, saying,
0: hmm, what will this be? All the 10 runner-up names. That'll be what we do a whole episode. Well,
1: Tech stream was definitely, I know, in the top 10. And, and so, I, I
0: think Zuckerberg's looking at his desk and he saw somebody text him Tech stream. Absolutely. And he said, <laughs> I would have been me,
1: by the way. Pick me, pick me, coach, pick me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there was another uh, story uh, this, this uh, week. Um, And it was more in the rumor, but I I thought Disney's lack of denial, denial made it just seem like it had legs. Uh, Disney, which is this massive corporation, in case you've been living under a rock, uh, has many properties, you know, the the Marvel and Star Wars and Mickey Mouse and all those things. And they also are the owners of ABC slash ESPN. And back in the 90s, when Disney purchased ESPN, uh, they they wanted it because they thought sports cable was the booming business. And in the 90s, it was Sports Center was at its all time high. That was Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann. And now things have kind of changed. Well, they also
1: and, love the fact, by the way, Seth, they love the fact that it was in Bristol, Connecticut, just outside yeah. union rules for the yeah, ABC right. New that's York right. installation. So there was a lot of business reasons why that was considered a really good idea at the time.
0: And it's really funny. Bristol is a really funny place because I know it's not that small a town, but you can't go to a a convenience store there and not see somebody from ESPN. Right. No, it's the whole. (laughs) town. I've been there. You know, when I worked, I worked for ESPN, full disclosure, from 2009 to 2010. And I was in Bristol a bunch and I would stay at the Holiday Inn, wherever the (laughs) hotel was. There weren't many options when you had to, to stay up there. Uh, in Bristol, Connecticut. However, uh, the story had some interesting facts. So the rumor is, does Disney want to sell off ESPN? That's the rumor. But the facts are, is that currently ESPN charges $10 per cable customer. Yeah. At least. So if you have cable, and you have ESPN, $10 of your bill goes towards paying ESPN. Mm-hmm. The interesting number that I found was ESPN Plus, which is a streaming service that gives you everything that ESPN has and more is six ninety nine.
1: dollars It's actually, yeah, it's even cheaper if you buy it annually, right? If you, 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 it if you buy
0: it annually there, yeah. or if you bundle it with Hulu oh, and like, Disney Plus, that's right. even more complicated. But let's, for the sake of the argument, just go by six ninety nine. dollars yeah, means, we... That means for every person that is cord cutting, And signing up for ESPN plus, they lose $3 and one cent. Now you multiply that by thousands, if not soon to be millions. um, that's a huge loss. The factors are number one, rights fees, which is play by play is the only thing sports needs to be on television. You know, if, if you think anyone subscribes to ESPN for Stephen A. Smith, you are dreaming. And so the rights to the NBA, the NHL, the Major League Baseball, the NFL, college football, all of those things continue to skyrocket. Yes. And the costs of it and more people, more and more people are cutting the cord. So what I would say to you is, does it make sense for Disney to say the bubble is about to burst on ESPN? This would be selling high, but sell high. It's interesting. The, the, few, the, the probable futures for ESPN
1: have to include things that are not very Disney-esque, right? It, it's going to have to be, there's only about 15 million subscribers, uh, direct subscribers for ESPN. Disney, just to give you some scale, has like 115, 116 million subs, ESPN has somewhere between 14.9 and 15 million subs. Last time I looked and I have to go look it up, but it's going to be a number very close to that. And so they've been, they've been hemorrhaging a little bit. Cord cutting is rampant. Cord nevers is even worse. That's the part that kills everybody. Like you just never sign up. You just get internet, but you know, it's probable futures include being a Barker channel for fantasy or being a Barker channel for gambling. And so, Mm -hmm. That's not a super Disney-esque Disney shareholder thing, right? I mean, they've and been, Disney's you
0: know, they, been hesitant. Like ESPN has uh, dabbled, but they're not in on gambling they're, like they're other not, places.
1: they're not, you know, knee deep in gambling, but they could be. And if you think about what is television, television at no matter how you look at it. Is first and foremost an awareness medium. It's a reach tool. You reach people on TV because there are lots of TVs, meaning physical TV sets, and people tune them in. And I think everyone at ESPN will would agree with your opening statement that games are what people watch. That's where the ratings are. ABC's NFL, ESPN, Monday Night Football is the is the highest rated show on their network and then every every other highest rated show in order is popularity of game and then there's a giant gap the size of you know half the universe and then there's all their talk show ratings uh, you know talking heads ratings. which
0: completely it's, are diminished like, it's, like, just, it's just
1: filler right it's just okay. i gotta put something on and no one likes to watch old games or i don't have rights to old games so i'll just put on some talk shows and get up what i get i'm not saying those guys don't have ratings but they're de minimis when you compare them to what a game Correct. will bring. This has always been true. It's that this is like ESPN's thing there. But as no, 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 you no but
0: SportsCenter was a massive entity when, no question, in, it, in, it, in it ceased, its day.
1: It ceased to be relevant years ago. But what is true in your opening statement is that it's somewhere between seven and 10 a month per cable sub. of your cable bill that is going to espn directly it's going to disney for espn and it is as high as ten dollars it's a well-guarded secret but it's as high as ten dollars for some of the bigger cable companies so should disney do it from a business perspective yeah that i mean the short answer is yeah they don't get enough the other way considering all the other things they do now reasons to argue against getting rid of ESPN include in no particular order. It's an incredible brand. They use it in the theme parks. They use it for a lot of, they've got that ESPN center, the sports center down in Florida. They they are really good using that brand with high schools and colleges. They've done a very good job uh, expanding and line extending the ESPN brand across the Disney enterprise. So you'd have to go and and total up all of that, right? And say, you know, and you'd have to, then you'd have to back out the COVID numbers, right? Because for the last basically 24 months, nothing's gone down the way it was supposed to go, go down. So you're not having the high school trips. You're not bringing the families down there. You're not, I mean, that was... I don't know when the last time you were in Disney world, Seth, or when you were at an, on a Disney property, oh, but we'll you save need that a,
0: for the end of the podcast. I have a you need a
1: small mortgage yeah. like yeah. To, to do anything. Disney. They, they are, they know who they are. They know what they are. And they take their pound of flesh. So they do make more money on ESPN than it looks like they make and cable subs while being a really important uh, part of the revenue, you could make an argument, and I'm not going to make this argument because it will never happen at Disney. And this has never happened in the history of the world. Because as you say, sports rights only go up. But you could make an argument that says drop the price of ESPN's cable fee monthly to five bucks and add five million subs. It's actually a better deal for Disney than to keep the 10 and go down to 13 million subs next year, right? So there's lots of different ways to stop the bleeding. There's lots of different ways. If, if, if you want to keep the awareness issue going, if you want to build the brand, you could also do what, and by the way, that's interesting, but you know what's more interesting? What's more interesting is looking at the net present value of the brand called ESPN. And you said, sell high, what would some PE firm, what would some other group give me for the name and brand and all the associated ESPN tools? I'd lose some of my Disney connection, but I'd have the ability to go uh, gambling crazy and fantasy crazy and have a Barker channel that's got a built-in audience that is, you could amplify and argue that yes, it's a, it, there are 14 million subs, but those are households. So there's some number of people in each household. They're all sports fans. We're talking millions, 20, 30, 40, 50 million people. Then you take the out of home, right? Because it plays in bars and sure. bar, you know, the, the out of home plays of ESPN where you go to a sports bar and ESPN is on seven, you know, different TVs around the bar. It's like, okay there's a business here it may not be a business disney wants to pursue but there's definitely a business here i could make a really good argument going either way and i'm sure people are and we could take some bets ourselves as to whether that's going to go that way but it is totally totally not unreasonable to be having that combo.
0: well let me clarify where i went to selling high uh right now the latest numbers and we talked about this uh and when we started Techstream, they weren't this this large When we started TechStream, the numbers of cord cutters in America were more like 65% cable, 35% not. Uh, Now, so six months later, it's more like 50-50. Now, let's, let's factor in a side topic, and I do want to investigate it at length, but at the end of next season, the NFL's uh, Sunday ticket package which is all the out of market games yep. um, it's now exclusive with DirecTV that expires and the rumors and we've talked about it on TechStream the rumors are they're going to either Apple or Amazon and once that happens and there's all kinds of factors there's been l- new rumors there's a rumor about Apple now requiring you to have an Apple device that's bonkers Um, because a lot of Samsung owners are going to be like, really, I got to get an iPhone. Yes. You're going to have to, Um, I mean,
1: that, that is definitely, uh, that is a a Samsung killing move and right for all kinds of reasons. And by the way, Apple's got price points now that they, they actually, if you look at their strat hardware strategy, there are iPhones that are, are inexpensive enough to, to fight that fight.
0: Right. And And so so, so factor that in to let, let's revisit that, but factor that in, what is the number in your estimation of people that will tell DirecTV to sayonara? Like what, what will be that? Is it 2 million? Is it more? Is it like, I try to quantify if you can, the amount of people that are currently with DirecTV for the NFL and that will jump ship. Because when that happens, the 50-50 split, which was 65-35 when we started TechStream, is going to go completely upside down.
1: So, first of all, DirecTV has 2 million Sunday ticket users, more or less. They, they would need 5 million to break even. The way the numbers work, they paid a billion and a half dollars for Sunday ticket. They only charge 300 bucks uh, for you to have it. As, you know, that's the extra fee with direct TV, right? So they're going to 300 so, bucks
0: that Amazon rumored is not charging you. And Apple wouldn't charge you if you had an Apple device
1: uh, because they don't need to. they also the NFL is looking for about two and a half billion for the package now. So it, both Apple and Amazon could write that check. They wouldn't know they wrote it they literally would not know they'd have someone would have to go. Do we write a check? I don't know. I thought it's a a rounding error in both of those checkbooks. So interestingly, the most uh, users that direct TV could lose uh, is you argue would be 2 million and they won't lose all 2 million. And the reason they won't lose all 2 million is that while direct ticket may be a reason uh, to, to be a satellite customer, if, if there are people who are satellite customers because they don't have another way to get television. The, you're in an area where there's just cable just doesn't go. Remember, Seth, the cable. You know, we're spoiled. We live in big cities. If you don't live in a big city, every mile you get outside of town center, the franchisee was not required to wire uh, every every home, and it's just unaffordable. So satellite does offer a way. Is you know the satellite offers a way for people to get a wide range of entertainment other than direct TV other than um, Sunday ticket that, you know, is important. So they wouldn't lose all 2 million that they, but they'd lose a lot. I don't know, but the the maximum number they could lose is 2 million and and that would be significant by the way, satellite, you know, the satellite business, the cable business, they were all under uh, insane stress and pressure. They just are. And the, the, for all the reasons, you know, cord cutting cord nevers, but, People do pay for convenience. And you should also understand, I think everybody needs to understand that not only do people pay for convenience, there are a fair number of television watchers, people who use the product known as television, who are uninterested in learning how to use a smart TV. Or or like the convenience of channel surfing, something that someone who's under the age of 30 doesn't even understand what that is.
0: Yeah, but that's but a generational thing.
1: It is. So, you know, that whole group, a lot of that group are direct TV customers. They appreciate the convenience. I'm not saying it's a good business. It's not. I'm not saying it's not under stress. It is a lot of stress. And they will lose Sunday ticket because there isn't a version of the world that I can imagine where... DirecTV comes up with $2.5 billion to keep Amazon uh, or Apple out of this race. I I think it's highly unlikely that uh, if I'm the NFL, I'm sitting there licking my lips going, geez, I wonder if I get $3 billion out of one of those two. Apple is notorious for backing out of stuff when it gets too expensive. They're they're, they're very, um, and by the way, Amazon is too. None of them are doing what the media companies did. You know, when Rupert Murdoch decided he was going to put NFL football on Fox, which made his network, it actually Fox Sports became a thing. And the Fox television network came to be around that insane overpriced deal. But I remember the Apple Fox nor- Sports
0: RSNs and, you know, that's a whole separate thing because yeah. regional sports networks are falling apart at, at the seams, but rsns the fox sports rsns were part of the disney fox purchase yes and so you have you know this idea because there was another story like this week about major league baseball being uh the first to design a new uh, service that would allow you to stream in market you know we've talked about that on TechStream a bunch um what we talked about were uh, this idea that if you live in Baltimore, you can't watch the Orioles on your phone, but right. you could watch the Detroit Tigers. It, make, it makes no sense. And it's been going on. You know, there's there's these. Well, this no, map. it does.
1: Look, if you're them, Seth, it does make sense. It no, just no, does.
0: it makes sense because you're trying to uh, proliferate the regional sports network, which is changing that's
1: the point. um you know i don't know so much if it's the regional sports network pressure that business has has been an okay business it was overvalued because sports are overvalued um the goal originally was to keep people going to the stadiums right i'm going to black this out so you are incentivized to buy a ticket now that makes that you know, was the you original talk,
0: right that was right the original. No, when you talk okay. about
1: football you can't get a ticket to a Giants game. I mean, now you can, but in the old days, you couldn't get a ticket to a Giants game unless you knew somebody, unless someone invited you. Like, well, you weren't going to go. You'd have to well,
0: you could then go sit they in had personal seat licenses, and that weeded out the waiting list. You could, you know, go sit
1: in the nosebleed seats, but, but maybe. But generally, if you wanted to go have a good experience at a Giants game, it was an impossible ticket to get. So the idea that they would do anything that resembled a blackout in football made no sense. Baseball, I play 160 games a year, some number like that. You know, it's like, come on, guys, and half of them are at home, and a lot of them are during the week. And so this old blackout idea was like, come by, you know, buy a ticket, come see the ball games. I don't know who they're talking to and what planet they live on, but that, you know, that's an artifact of an older day. Then when you add the RSNs in the regional sports networks, then you get a whole other layer of complexity. Now, those have not proven out the way they were supposed to. They were overpriced. Again, at a certain level, Seth, how much money can you put into this, right? It's like, I get that it's a live show. I get that there are advertisers that, like, think about the three kinds of things that support television. There are three kinds of ads. There are many, many more, but there are three main buckets. The first bucket is direct response, where there's a phone number that you go to, you call the number and buy the Ginsu knives or whatever, right? That's, and you usually see that the info, related That's to the infomercials. the great Seinfeld joke.
0: Walsh. Right. It's three in the morning and you're thinking about sh- cutting open your shoe. You might want to try to get to sleep.
1: You might want to try to get to sleep. Then there are two other kinds of ads that are much more prevalent. Uh, brand lifestyle ads, brand love ads. You know, a classic example is the Clydesdale horses at Christmas for Budweiser, right? It's not selling you anything. It's just making you love the brand. Uh, some kind of Nike just do it ad or some kind of Apple ad where they just show you great photographs and tell you, this is amazing. You could do this with an iPhone. You know? They're not telling you what the camera does. They're not telling you how much the phone is. They're just saying, isn't this awesome? Don't you love this? Aren't we cool? So, this brand love or lifestyle uh, advertising you measure it differently but it's it's what tv does best because it's reach advertising you get big beautiful pictures that show you an emotional experience and advertisers will pay for that so that they can keep their brand present recency and availability they want when you go shopping they want you to think about the brand you had a recent experience with the brand and that memory is very available to you right at the point of sale that's one that's the next one and then the, the last one is the one we see the most often it's call to action at a later date you can't actually do anything uh, our columbus day sale is monday you'll get 70% off, and they start running that ad on Thursday, the, the week before. You can't go to the store till Monday to get the sale price. They're calling you to a later date. Come test drive our you know, car. It'll be amazing, right? So, okay, you can't do it this second. You got to make an appointment to do it. I'm calling you to action at a later date. So those three kinds of actions uh, are, are direct response, call to action at a later date, or brand love. Those three things are what you can expect out of a television commercial. And that's what supports the regional sports networks. So when you're live, literally live, meaning that the thing is happening now and you're broadcasting it, if it's Thursday night and I know people are watching and I know they get paid on Friday, Friday's payday, and they're going to the supermarket, what a perfect night to advertise beer, what a perfect night to advertise soft drinks, what a perfect night to advertise salty snacks. First of all, you're eating them, you're drinking them, and tomorrow you get paid, you're going to the supermarket. That Thursday night, that's a big deal. The regional sports networks, if they've got a game, and by the way, any day for a regional sports network works that way. When there are so many other ways to advertise, when there are so many other places to put your money that are more directly attributable to the the outcome you're looking for as an advertiser, and the prices just keep going up and you're getting less and less for it, the economic pressures get pretty hardcore. And that's where we are right now in the sports world. The, The cost of sports... Is insane. There's no media company that's going to drop $2.5 billion for Sunday ticket. Amazon and Apple can do it. They're not They're not media companies. They're tech companies, right? They have more money than God has time. They can do whatever they want. They're literally not going to know they wrote the check. Think about what that would do to a normal media company that makes its money the way media companies make their money. It's not, it's not something that can be done. So it's a really interesting transitional time now, as, and sports will only get more expensive. They're not going to get cheaper. The well, that's the argument.
0: That that the the biggest argument we're talking about revenues, but the cost of just having a network like ESPN is going to grow exponentially. Absolutely,
1: because there's only two ways to make money: you either charge more or it costs you less. Well, it's never going to cost you less, so you're just going to have to charge more. And I'm not sure there isn't an upper limit on what consumers are willing to pay. Have you? you I I know you probably love Red Zone the way I love Red Zone. If
0: yeah, it's ten dollars right. on Hulu now.
1: Is it? It's interesting. I get
0: The red zone is uh, $10 on Hulu. And uh, I've said this all along because the guy who hosts the DirecTV Red Zone is Andrew Siciliano, who I graduated with. He's one of my dearest (laughs) and nearest and dearest friends. And on social media, I am considered a Siciliano trader. But Scott Hansen's NFL Network version of the NFL Red Zone is $9.99 at Hulu. Um, and, And there's no commitment, meaning when the NFL season ends, you drop it. Yeah, of course, <laughs> and get it back in September of 22. Yeah, I mean, you're talking
1: basically what 20 weeks all in, including the Super Bowl when you're done, and you don't really need it. That you're 16 weeks and you're done. It's 50,
0: uh, it, $50. I mean, but that's what it is. It's $50. tv was charging 300 plus.
1: Yes. Uh, look, I, it's a compelling argument. I think we're going to see really big changes now that gambling is starting to become uh, legalized and encouraged across the media landscape sports books there's been some rumors that espn might license for a couple billion couple three billion dollars their name to a sports book in vegas that, that would make sense for them they'd do nothing and p- collect three billion dollars literally for just being who they are
0: but, but if do you ended- do that after you've after disney's f- sold them off
1: I, You know, I, I, one thing I know about the Disney organization, uh, and full disclosure, they've been amazing clients of mine for the past 35 years, So, so just full disclosure. But one thing I know about the Disney organization is that they make very good business decisions that are strategic and financially sound and fiscally sound. Their ability to collect assets and to dispose of them when necessary um, is disciplined and uh, they understand that their job management understands its job is to be accretive to shareholders and that's what they do. And they also happen to be relentlessly consumer first, which is, you know, like Amazon, you know, when you, you ask people like, why is Amazon so popular? Why is it, why was it so successful? You ask Bezos, he'll tell you that it's custo- it's the most customer centric philosophy you can adopt to, to the detriment of every other thing, right? I won't say Disney's quite that crazy, but they're, they are very clear about who they serve. So I, I would argue that we can have a philosophical discussion about it, but there is uh, an army of analysts inside the House of Mouse thinking this through. And if they come to the conclusion, you know, if they're thinking keep or her, sell, keep her they're going to come to that conclusion in a very rational way, and then 10 minutes later, <laughs> it's going to be done. Now, whether it happens in ten minutes or something else, because Disney also has a history of being very wily e. coyote-ish to mix my metaphors when it can mix my cartoon characters when it comes to um, both acquiring and disposing of assets. There, they are. Go, go read about how they bought the land in, in and around Orlando and you know Kissimmee, um, in and around Orlando and Kissimmee when they were building Walt Disney World. And I know from when they became when they one of my most uh, important clients, they came to buy a patent of mine. They used a firm that wasn't in the media business. They were asking about, I mean, It was like very stealthy. Wow. So they have, they have their ways. And if you're a shareholder of the Disney organization, I'm not. I own one share of Disney stock, literally one. It's in a picture. It's got Mickey Mouse on it. It's on the wall. It was a gift. Nice. Um, but I'm just saying, full disclosure, I, I don't own Disney stock. But if I was a Disney shareholder, I would really like the way management works. They're an incredibly good management team.
0: Well, and I don't think this is a failure if Disney sells off ESPN. It's not a failure. It, 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 in its time, when they bought ABC, and the, you know there's been a lot of talk about when they bought ABC, it was to get ESPN. You know what I mean? They bought ABC to it get had at to ESPN.
1: Well, well, so so there's, I won't rat out the executive, but the, it's the same executive who purchased ESPN, was sent up to purchase ESPN to Bristol, which is why I know the story about ESPN very well. Uh, but I won't rat out that executive. You'll have to do your own homework on that. Although it's not hard to figure out who it is. I was told flat out that the ABC purchase was a bizarre error on the part of senior management at disney thinking literally thinking that the uh the wonderful world of disney the sunday night show
0: mm-hmm.
1: was going to be branded content to drive theme park attendance and it was no more complicated than that and espn happened to be the profit center at the time it's
0: wild uh, it's, it's i mean it's that and that i have heard that and it's not bad logic but it it's by the so way outdated. i have heard that it's from so archaic
1: I've heard that from three different senior executives who who were in the room, whether that's just sour grapes or whether it's, you know, uh, wives' tales or whatever. It's hearsay from me. I don't know if it's true. This is what I've been told. Three different execs, and I, you know, I've been in the TV business a long time, Seth, so I'm not, and it's so stupid, it sounds right. Like, you know, we always think that, you know, this is like everybody's their thing. This, back in the old days, everybody worked on their, with their gut. Nobody had MBAs coming out of school doing spreadsheets for months. You know, th- th- it was like, yeah, okay, does that work? Run the numbers. Okay, let's get it. That, you know, it was a different thing. It was, everybody was playing, a, uh, there they were playing a chess game. Now everybody's playing Go. But back then, they were, everybody was playing chess. And it was just, you know, how good of a, or poker you could call it. Because it was more, there were a lot of bluffing in the old days. So yeah, I don't know. At this point, it, it's not a failure if they sell ESPN. It's going to be a windfall of profit for their shareholders, and they'll get out of a business that can't ever be profitable.
0: It can't it? Can't grow. It can't get better. Not unless, not unless Disney makes some some
1: philosophical changes about how they see gambling. You know, uh, they've made a couple of R-rated movies, right? I mean, you know, they, it's not their thing, but they've, they, you know, Deadpool was the most popular do, do R-rated De- movie do ever. Do
0: Right. But do, yeah, but those two were made when it before the Fox merger. Do, do Deadpool 3, make it rated R, show me something. Do Deadpool pool 3, yeah. Yeah. and show me something. Uh, I do have a question about uh, this the, the technology and the RSNs. Um, you'd be perfect for this. Okay. And that is the, the way commercials are done. Mm-hmm. The, It seems like this is an old way of doing things, but in the early days of MLB.TV, that's my introduction to streaming. Yep. It was, if there was a Budweiser commercial on television, that Budweiser commercial couldn't be on the internet because they didn't pay for it. And nowadays, and nowadays in streaming, ESPN does this, ESPN Plus does this. uh the uh, msg does it with their awful awful app um i don't know if you saw me my twitter on friday night the devils had an amazing overtime goal and i went to go tweet and that knocked the game off my goddamn television and i hate Mm -hmm. the msg app but the idea that now they just put up a blank screen they'll say uh msg is in a commercial break and you just wait for the game to come back with a black screen. Why aren't they selling commercials that can air on both? Why are you making this so much harder for yourself? In in the old days, it was because only 50 people were watching online. Well, now you're in the thousands, if not millions.
1: Okay. Um, This is such a complicated issue. I will try to simplify it. In the very early days that you mentioned, the problem had as much to do with Screen Actors Guild and AFTRA, the two mm. actors unions, as anything else, because separate royalty payments and separate contracts needed to be dealt with for streaming versus broadcast. Also, television broadcast versus cable cast carry different contracts. For the musicians too. So there, this was, this was more of a, we have to get our rights packages together to understand how to offer this stuff across platform. That took several years to get worked out. It's worked out now, but it took several years to get worked out. So we can't look, we can't look back and say there was, you know, all those obstacles were, were technological. They weren't, there were every technological obstacle I'm about to mention still exists from back then, but there were also business rules problems with, in the early days that have subsequently been completely worked out as you know because you'll see commercials on your phone or on your handheld that you also see on the air the problem is that the regional sports networks were acquired one at a time or a few at a time or a couple at a time they were not and this is a system that was evolved not designed and so all of the ad trafficking and all of 100% 100% of the way the backroom works had to be integrated, and that took a long time. Now, full disclosure, uh, this group, Home Team Sports, uh, w- were clients of ours during a critical time in their technological future mm-hmm. uh, or past, uh, I should say, because they, I, I am personally very familiar with the technological challenges uh, getting ad ops across all the regional sports networks. There are, as you know, you know, we were talking about blackout rules, there's a million rules uh, locally about how things get on to these regional networks. Every one of these deals is separate. And while today you'd say, well, it's really easy. You just make a little matrix and you just switch them as appropriately. And this ad will go there and that ad will go there and this will be available here and that'll be available there. It's easy to say the business logic actually is incredibly complex and the technology needs to be matched to that incredibly complex business logic. If you can beat all of that, which you can't, right, then you need a way for an advertiser because we're talking about an advertisement now. You don't have an advertiser to plan against that. These are the audiences I expect. This is the return on investment or, or what is known as ROAS, return on advertiser spend, I ex- I would expect. And this is how I'm going to plan my media against this crazy, crazy matrix of available networks. And no, Now remember, I'm an advertiser. We're not talking about the local dairy barn or the local deli here, right? Because that's not what we're talking about. If you look at a regional advertiser, the tri-state so-and-so Ford dealers, okay, Um, their job is to move F-150s off the lot. That's their job. They're trying to get the biggest reach, come drive a Ford at the blah, blah, tri-state, right? I mean, they have a very specific thing they're trying to get done. Mm -hmm. They need to know how many spots ran, what it actually cost them, what the likelihood is that that ad had any impact on your decision, What if you're, and they know that they're regional? They don't need to go to a national network. They can go to the regional sports network itself. In fact, the local office of the regional sports network and say, I only have car dealerships in these areas, and I'm only interested in the 10 miles around them cable company and RSN. I don't really need you nationally, I don't need you cross network. Okay, who's building that advertising schedule? And then what about the national advertisers? Well, I I want to advertise, I'm UPS. I need to advertise nationally, and I know people watch games. Can I cobble together RSNs versus an ESPN, which I make one phone call and say, hey, I want to buy Monday Night Football? How much? I get everybody. Get the whole get the whole country. Boom, boom, boom. So what's more efficient? Me cobbling together a million different ways to get the RSNs to come together and give me a national footprint? No, this is the area where where local and regional advertisers go and therefore the technology is not that big of an obstacle it's just about the planning well it's sold differently it's bought differently so when we look at tv we all think as consumers you know that's the magic of television seth you have a remote control every time you press the button with your thumb you think you're still watching tv that's just not true you're watching premium cable on one Button press. The next one you're watching an ad-supported station. The next you're watching a sub- dual a subscription plus uh, advertising. The next you click. It's you know some publicly funded thing. The next it's like local cable. Like every single channel is a different business model. So we, you know, uh, consumers always sit back and go, "Oh, this is uh, I'm watching sports." Yeah, you are watching sports, but the people who are bringing it to you, every single organization has a different model, and oh, by the way, has their handout differently. Yeah, so yeah. That's, that's really the problem, Seth. It's, not, it's, it's a combination of technology, business rules, the advertisers themselves and what their needs are, the sponsor's needs and what their needs are. Remember, advertising and sponsorship are two different things. I'll sponsor a game. I could be a sponsor. I want my name in the stadium. I want to see the name, you know, blah, 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 uh, insurance advisors in, in the stadium. Why? I'm going to buy 100 season tickets and have all of my agents use it as perks. And maybe I'll take a suite there or something and decide I want, you know, it's like, that's a sponsorship. That's not an advertisement. Do I want to buy a 30 second spot? Not really. Do I want the announcer to say, you know, the, the blah, blah insurance scoreboard, you know, our halftime show yeah, maybe.
0: Right, right, right,
1: right. I mean, it depends on what my, what are my business goals. So now you're trying, like when all, you put all that together, we are just viewers at home generally, but all of that goes on behind the scenes, trying to pay for the insane rights fees yep. that the sports are charging. It's and crazy. the sports know that live does that, right? Oh my goodness, there's a destination that you have to come and watch for play-by-play right now. Seth is calling Thursday Night Football on Twitch. I've got to be on Twitch on Thursday night to watch Seth do it. That's only then, Seth, right? So that's a real destination. What's that worth?
0: They, uh, By the way, they do not archive those, I found out. Bummer. So you couldn't watch it now. Like, if you're listening to TechStream and wanted to go to my channel and watch Thursday Night Football, it's not there. Uh, It's only live. and uh, it has its own commercials. It does not run the same commercials as Fox. It can't. Right. By definition.
1: Right, but because of what you're that's saying, that's not a tech. That's not a tech problem. That's a business rule. That's problem. a business thing.
0: Although a lot of times they show uh, the promos for the Amazon Prime shows. Mm-hmm. So every halftime you see a commercial for Invincible. Do you know who owns Toys? The Marv. Yeah, Amazon. Yeah. Okay. No, I know. I know. <laughs> I that's hired. Just- me. Yeah, of course. No, it, 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 the whole thing is, is fascinating because in some aspects it's all archaic and in some aspects it's totally modern and it's just going to change and change and change and change and change. Sports is not going anywhere, No, but it's just, everything is evolving. And so this idea that baseball who had the first streaming service for games with mm-hmm. MLB.TV, they're going to have the first app that bypasses the RSN model Good, good for them. But the NHL is going to do it. The NBA is going to do it. That MSG app—I can't wait to delete it off my phone. And the 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 the, the, the colleges—that's the other part. The colleges, the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big Twelve—these are all billions with a B. Yeah. So it's it's just going to get bigger. NBC has a real tough decision to make because their rights are up for the English Premier League and NASCAR by the way two things that could not be more polar opposite Mm -hmm. and they can't afford both i mean they could they they could no
1: no, they, they they can't and actually that's the magic of television when you think of nbc you don't think of a thing you think of the nbc sports as a brand if in their mind NBC is what you just called it. It's NBC Universal. You and I just called it NBC because we're we're that's our branding sort of center. NBC News is a different brand. NBC Sports is a different brand, right? These are different things. Um, at the end of the day, you're expecting excellence in sports from NBC Sports in their mind, but you're not a, a soccer fan or a football fan or a NASCAR fan. You are a fan of sports. And you will find a sport there that you like. Whereas Red Zone is 100% football all. Oh, it's just it's one thing. You subscribe to Red Zone for one thing.
0: Well, I, you know I love what the a la carte is. nature. The, the a la carte nature is so much fun because, you know, especially now with Apple TV, you tell it what your teams are, what your sports are. It right. tells you when the games are. And it's just so I find it much more in- enjoyable. Well, by
1: the way, you are 100% right and and the younger you are, the more you like your things to be specialized, you like the best of yep. breed thing, right? Yep. You're not you don't want general purpose stuff because you don't want people to be a little good at everything. You are smart enough, savvy enough and, and comfortable enough with your technology to just say I want the best version of each of these and so you'll you the best finance app, the best communication app for what I'm trying to do right now. Then maybe three or four communication apps, but you're going to use them all precisely for what you believe they're for that's how they're treating their entertainment and by the way the older you are the less likely you are to do that and so you're right they can't afford both theoretically they could find the money but they really can't and they're going to have to make some very hard
0: but that's a choice choosing between nascar and that demographic versus the english premier league in the united states in that demographic if i told you the audiences were a push I'd still sign the Premier League because that's rising and NASCAR's falling. So
1: that's really interesting. We need to do an episode about NASCAR and the NASCAR versus of-
0: the Premier League?
1: <laughs> no, we need to do an episode about the future of car racing. Oh, sure. Formula, sure.
0: Formula 1 has done the most amazing job. Of amazing. course. Oh. And Formula E is the sport that I've covered. So uh, to yeah. totally, it's totally but NASCAR is it. very different to that. And that's just a series of left turns. And it has a very specific demographic. You are only marketing. It makes about as much sense to sign NASCAR as it does to sign the NHL, which the N- NBC decided not to. Yeah. NBC did not want to play with the NHL anymore. They, they let Turner and ESPN grabbed the NHL rights because it was only a fractured part of the country that watches it. Well, NASCAR is more fractured. But the numbers, the thing that's rising is the Premier League. If I'm NBC and if I can only pick one, take the Premier League. You heard it here first. We'll continue this discussion. This this kind of conversation can go on for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And if Facebook takes TechStream, this will be a new sports podcast. You bet. (laughs) <laughs> That's Shelly Palmer. I'm Seth Everett. We'll see you next week.